Welcome to Bedtime History. Hello, this is Breck. Guess what, parents? Bedtime History is now available on Story Button. Story Button is the easiest way to listen to our show without using screen devices like your phone or a tablet. Story Button is like a radio that's built for easy listening to your favorite kids' podcasts like ours. And the best part is there's no subscriptions or fees to access the content. This week, save $10 and get free shipping when you go to storybutton.com forward slash bedtime history. That's storybutton.com forward slash bedtime history. the last sweet thing you ate? How long ago was it? Earlier today? Yesterday? Maybe last week? If your family is anything like mine, you've probably eaten something sweet within the last few days. Throughout much of human history, though, it was very rare to eat things that were sweet. In many parts of the world, even fruit was only available at certain times of year. It only ripened in spring and summer. Sugar from sugarcane, like the white and brown sugar you likely have in your kitchen, was a luxury in much of the world until the last few hundred years. But there was one reliable source of sweetness. It was available in many parts of the world and could be kept for years, assuming no one ate it first. The only trouble was, you risk getting stung when you tried to go after it. Have you guessed what it is? If you guessed, honey, you're right. There are many species of bees. Not all make honey, and most of those that do, don't make a lot. Some bees live in hives, but others nest underground or in holes they drill in wood. Some live in groups, while others live alone. But the bees we'll focus on in this episode are the ones who make lots of our oldest sweetener, honeybees. Honeybees originally evolved in Asia, but spread out to Europe and Africa, where they split into two more subspecies. And eventually, humans would bring these bees to every part of the world where they could survive. Humans, bees, and honey have a very long relationship. We don't know exactly when our obsession with the sticky sweet stuff started, but it's possible we've been eating honey since the dawn of humankind. Cave paintings from over 4,000 years ago in Spain and South Africa show people climbing ladders to reach wild hives. Many modern hunter-gatherer tribes eat honey as well. Hunter-gatherers are people who get their food by hunting animals and finding wild berries, nuts, and roots. They often travel many miles per day to find food. One East Africa tribe, the Hadza, actually team up with wild birds called honey guides in order to find hives. A honey hunter will have a special call to get a honey guide's attention. The honey guide will then lead the hunter to a hive. In exchange for the help, the hunter will also give the bird a small reward of honeycomb, but not too much. If the bird's full, they won't want to eat again soon, and they won't guide the hunter to more hives. These are modern people, but the fact that they seek out honey gives us a hint that our prehistoric ancestors, who are also hunter-gatherers, might also have gone after beehives. When we began settling down on farms and in cities, we found ways to keep up our supply of honey right from the beginning. 
Archaeologists have found beeswax residue in pot shards that are over 9,000 years old. People only began to farm about 10,000 years ago. They've also found evidence that beeswax was used as glue, for waterproofing, and in, and in cosmetics in ancient times. People made candles, figurines, and writing tablets out of it. As for honey, ancient people not only ate it, but used it as a medicine. It can help stop bacteria from growing in wounds and soothe a sore throat. With so many uses for honey and beeswax, it's not surprising that people began to domesticate honeybees. Domesticate means to raise an animal or plant in a setting where people can easily get what they need from it. People may have begun managing bees by putting out attractive nesting sites, like hollow logs or empty jars, in the hopes that they'd end up with a convenient supply of honey. But bees have never been tamed in the way that cows or pigs or dogs have. They still go where they want to and find their own food, even if a person owns the hive. And of course, they still sting us if we bother them, which tame, domesticated animals usually don't do. But people have always thought it was worth it for sweet honey and useful beeswax they got in return. We know from written records that many ancient cultures in the Middle East and Greece kept bees and even revered and respected them. The Hebrews called the Promised Land the land of milk and honey. They managed hives right in the middle of crowded cities. The ancient Greeks thought honey gave people energy. Greek athletes drank a mix of honey and water before competitions. Greek mythology also had stories of bee nymphs, or spirits who could tell the future. These creatures, called three-eye, looked like women on top, but like bees on the bottom, and had bee wings. Honey was more than just a treat or medicine for the ancient Egyptians. It was a gift from their sun god, Ra. They believed that when Ra cried, his tears fell to the earth and turned into honeybees. They placed jars of honey in tombs for the dead to eat in the afterlife, which archaeologists have found. And guess what? The jars were so well sealed that the honey inside was still safe to eat after thousands of years underground. Though I don't think anyone ate more than a tiny sample. The Egyptians also used honeybees as a symbol of royalty and fed honey to sacred animals. So you probably won't be surprised to learn that Egyptians took beekeeping very seriously. Ancient murals show beekeepers checking on hives, using smoke to calm the bees, and sealing honey in jars. They used artificial hives made by stacking clay pipes on top of each other like logs. They would move the hives up and down the Nile on special boats to keep them near blooming flowers where they could gather nectar. Similar hives are still used today in Egypt by traditional beekeepers. That's a long-standing tradition. Bees continued to be important to people beyond ancient times. Before the Industrial Revolution, when many people lived in rural cities, children would often go out looking for wild beehives and nests. Now you can just go to a drugstore and buy something sweet. But back then, sugar was still rare and expensive. At least one person even wrote a poem commemorating the childhood hobby of hive raiding. The end of it goes. And just as sure as you're alive, I'll make a visit to your hive, and thank you, bumblebee so bold, for making honey bright as gold. Maybe honey bright as gold is worth enduring a sting or two. Children in the past seemed to think it was worth it. If you want first-hand evidence, though, you could ask a modern beekeeper. Today, people have taken honeybees all over the world. 
Beekeeping is a hobby for many people and a business for others. Fans of Beyonce are known as the Beehive, but she also has two hives on her property. Many other celebrities, from Samuel L. Jackson to Martha Stewart, share her interest in bees. On the business side, bees, and not just honeybees, are also important for food crops. They pollinate many plants whose products end up on your table, like almonds, watermelon, and apples. When a bee feeds on a flower, some of the pollen gets stuck to their legs. When it moves to the next flower, some of that pollen falls off it, which allows a fruit or nut to grow. Honeybees pollinate a lot of different plants, but so do other bees, such as mason bees, leaf cutters, and bumblebees. Not all of these plants are food. Some are flowers that brighten our gardens or sit in vases on our tables. Beekeepers who do it for a business actually run out nests and hives and deliver them to farms when plants are blooming to ensure a good crop. Unfortunately, the spread of honeybees has had some unwelcome results for wild bees in areas where humans have brought them. The local wild bees eat from the same plants as honeybees. Often when they can't compete with the honeybees, they don't get enough food. When people bring honeybees from far away, those bees can also bring diseases with them that are more dangerous to the local native bees. The native bees end up struggling to survive. People have been chasing bees and their honey for ages, but bees do so much more than just sweeten our food. Their honey and wax can be put to many different uses. Much of the food on our plates is possible because bees pollinate those crops. But even without their usefulness, bees are amazing creatures. Many live in large, complex societies where different bees have specific jobs to perform. Honeybees have special ways of communicating with each other to show where food is. They can fly up to 6 miles at 15 miles per hour and visit 50 to 100 flowers in one trip. Different species of bees live in an amazing variety of environments, from grasslands to sand dunes to wetlands and gravel pits. Some drill into wood to make their nests, or use mud packed into tiny holes. So next time you see a bee, try not to worry, it doesn't want to sting you. Try to stay still, keep your distance, and watch it go about its business. See what flowers it visits, and follow it if you can. Maybe you'll see it fly into its hive or nest. No matter what, you'll see a creature hard at work for its own survival, all the while making your world a little sweeter and more beautiful. We hope you enjoyed this episode about bees. Be sure to tune in next Monday for a new episode.